We heard from the second book of Maccabees in the first reading. What I want to do for this homily is just detail what is happening within the history of the second book of Maccabees and how does it lead up into the gospel for today because it has a historical relevance for us today. First, what is happening in the book of Maccabees? In the year like 167 to 160 BC is when this Maccabean revolt is happening. So less than 200 years between uh, them and Christ. Analogously, perhaps the same amount of time frame between us and the Civil War. It's a a good way to think about it. And they are revolting from the now Greek uh, empire coming in to Israel from King Antiochus Epiphanes, who is ruling. And King Antiochus Epiphanes' uh, first like kind of move is that he wants all people to be one. He wants all people to be one. Now the way in which he does this is that he goes into the temple and he tries to take everything out of the temple. He mandates that all the citizens go to the gymnasium, kind of like what the Greeks did. And so in order to just kind of water down all religious significance so that all could just kind of be morally one. Now, of course, the Jews didn't take well to this, or at least some of them didn't, the Maccabean brothers. And so what the Maccabees did was they revolted, but their revolt was one in in taking up arms, and it was a very brutal revolt. Um, This second book of Maccabees and the first book is not within the Jewish canon as scripture, but it is seen as historically significant. In fact, only after the Maccabean revolt is the uh, festival of Hanukkah instituted. Hanukkah never was a thing. So even though it's, it's not in their canon, in their Bible, it is still read by them very often. But this particular chapter is not read. This particular chapter is not read from uh, rabbis, especially to Jewish children. Because, not only because of its brutality, if you have any time and want to be amazed at what the Word of God really has today, just read 2 Maccabees chapter 7. Um, But, because of its Christianity, that one of these brothers, we'll get to why he is being killed, says that after he's killed, after they removed his hands by torture, that he will get his hands back in the next life. It iterates for the, the resurrection. Then you have all these other brothers that are dying, and as they're dying, the king questions their mother and says, look, I want to offer your last son a nice place in my kingdom. Please don't make me kill him. And so she's, she says, can you talk to him? Says, okay, I'll go talk to him. And so she says, don't you dare give in. You know, you're going to go and die like your, like your brothers did, and I will see you in the next life. You have basically a mother interceding for her children, for them to go into the next life. This, these Christian motives. So what is happening in this particular episode in the second book? You have 
how now we, we know that Antioch's Epiphanies wants everyone to be one. Um, Jews don't eat pork sandwiches, you know? So they want them to eat, you know, the McRib. They want them to eat the, you know, the hot dog. They're not going to eat the hot dog. Uh, now, because of that, Antioch's Epiphanies does very brutal things. One of them, you know, removing the hands. Others, you know, like putting in a pan and boiling, like just terrible stuff. Well, eventually, Antioch's Epiphanies, after this last one, is so jarred after this last son dies that he starts to falter in his reign and the Maccabees uh, successfully revolt. They successfully revolt. Now the problem is, though they have successfully revolted by their faith in the resurrection from the dead, um, some of the Maccabees brothers, because they're so powerful, the Israelites say, you know what we're going to do? We're going to appoint you high priest. There's a problem with that. It's that the, the priesthood was given to the Levitical tribe. And so whenever they're just appointing whoever they want to, they're ripping it from the system that God instituted. They're ripping it from the system that God instituted. Now, so there's this big movement of pride that's happening within Israel. Basically, we can do anything. You see how we kicked the Greek empire's butts. You know, they were a pretty big deal with Alexander the Great and everything. So we fast forward, and now another empire comes into play. And this is the Roman Empire. You think of the Greek Empire come in forcefully. Hey, this is what we're going to do. We're going to take the stuff out of the temple, and we're going to tell you how we're all going to be one. The Roman Empire was much more subtle. Roman Empire was much more subtle. It was much more of you would the Romans would come and they introduce their culture, they would introduce their way of life. It was pleasant. It was nice. Those cultures would buy in, and as they would buy in, they would then give the Romans authority. And because the Jews had already ripped from the structure of how they were going to govern their people. Someone like Herod can go to Pontius Pilate and say, hey, just appoint me king of the Jews, even though he's not the king of the Jews as God would have it. Now, that also means that the Romans are going to be able to appoint religious leaders, religious leaders who they will give sufficient funds to religious leaders who they will make comfortable. And these religious leaders we've heard about in the gospel are the Sadducees. And the Sadducees being so comfortably fed from the Romans, um, and here's the dad joke for the day, don't believe in the resurrection. That is why they are sad, you see. So they, yeah, I'm ashamed that I did that. Okay, so... uh, they don't believe in the resurrection. They don't believe in the resurrection because they don't have to. They're living so comfortably. And so we saw, they see what happens in their history. You know, you believe in the resurrection. You get, you get your hands cut off, right? You, uh, you die with, if, you, if you push back against certain government. They're just going to try to live the Jewish, the Jewish values within the Roman lifestyle. 
That's the Sadducees' faith. They lived the Jewish values within the context of the Roman lifestyle. And then they don't expand out of that, lest there be conflict. So, this kind of soft totalitarianism, rather than the hard totalitarianism of the Greeks, actually leads the Sadducees to voluntarily choose not to believe in the resurrection. And we know that is historically relevant to us today because that is the situation that we are in today. That we kind of let the culture choose for us what to believe, not so much that the government itself has said, hey, you cannot be religiously free, as much as we choose it for ourselves by our own lifestyle and being part of the materialist culture. And so what does Jesus have to say to this? What the Sadducees pose as a question in the Gospel is how is it that marriage works? Basically, how is it that the most sacred institution is going to work in the resurrection? They throw that at Jesus. They attack marriage. Say, well, that can't work in the resurrection because if this woman is married to seven men, who is is she going to be married to in the resurrection? That seems abominable. To that, Jesus says that the children of this age marry and remarry, but those who are deemed worthy to attain to the coming age neither marry nor are given in marriage. They can no longer die, for they are like angels, and they are the children of God. What he's saying here is that, you know, God doesn't wreck marriage in the life to come. That marriage, in fact, is a sign of the life to come. God gives us marriage so that we can know what we will have in the resurrection of the dead. God does not kind of press the the delete button on marriage as much as he presses the complete button on it. That is, that we are fully united to him in eternity, as the angels are. And that we neither die uh, in the resurrection as well. The thing is that the Sadducees are the walking dead. They're the walking dead because they walk in their own sinfulness. Because reality has already closed itself in on them. It's closed itself in on the comfortability of their couches, of their nice homes, etc. Because they have no, nothing to look forward to after death. Their death is certain. They're just waiting for it. But for those who believe in the resurrection of the dead, while it means that they will have to reject the comforts of this world, that they can begin eternal life even now with the hope of life forever being eternally united to the Father.